Well, hello again. I'm Randy Cross, and this is the Randy Cross Podcast. Uh, this week, the podcast will be an interview, and uh, this week's guest is Dr. Barry Miskin. Dr. Miskin works down at the Jupiter Medical Center down in Jupiter, Florida. He's also involved at the Joe Namath Neurological Research Center, also in Jupiter, Florida. Um, he's a general surgeon. He's a trauma surgeon. He, he does a lot of stuff. We're also going to talk a little bit about the robotic surgery he's involved in. And joining us right now is Dr. Miskin. Doctor, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's my pleasure. We met what, two years ago now uh, at the Head Injury Association event up in Long Island? Right, and we have history. We got stuck in that blizzard together. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Try, trying to escape <laughs> New York. Right, and this year was a better year. The weather is, like, a lot nicer. Yeah, no no comparison. No comparison. Um, you know, I'm really interested in the work you're doing at the uh, Joe Namath Neurological Center, but I want to kind of start off on this, the surgery side because you're listed as a general surgeon. I know we've talked about your trauma surgery side, but something that's extremely interesting to me that you've been involved in uh, more recently is the preponderance we're seeing of robotic surgeries. Well, I'll tell you something. It's, uh, it's changed my entire uh, professional life, and it was something that I would never have imagined when I started out in surgery uh, 30 years ago. It's been a complete paradigm shift. It's uh, anti-intuitive. It's almost like one of those Wizard of Oz consults, and you're away from the patient. And um, initially, when they first developed robotic surgery, uh, they developed it to do surgery in areas where there wasn't surgeons. In other words, uh, one of the first surgeries that they did was they had the uh, patient in Paris and the surgeon in New York, and he did the surgery from New York. And I think what they were looking at is possibly in the future when people are in space, if there's not a surgeon on the spaceship, you could do something from Earth because they have technicians that basically place the little ports into the person and the surgeon is at the controls of it. So it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, you know, that whole future thing, it's pretty amazing. And the robots we're using right now, the uh, companies that are developing it are a couple generations ahead of what we're using at the hospitals. Wow, it's, uh, that's really is amazing. When you do it, you're in another room and you're removed completely from the patient when you do it? We do it, we're in the same room, but okay. uh, it, depending on where the console is, because uh, what they do is the console, it's, uh, it looks like a big uh, control panel with things that you put your feet on, and you look into this screen, and um, like almost like looking into those binocular kind of things that sort of surround you. It's 3D, and wherever they move the console, so it could be 10, 20, 30 feet from the patient, and then uh, they have teaching consoles now at a few of the hospitals where two people are on the robot and they control different arms of the robot together. It's it's just, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed by it, even though I, I've been doing it now, I think, uh, at least eight years, but I still, uh, I, it's still, like, incredible. Yeah, well, to, to me, it's stunning because I'm still amazed by laparoscopic surgery. 
just the the idea of making those tiny holes to me is incredible when it comes to surgeries. Well, this basically takes it up a step. So the way that we describe it uh, is um, basically a laparoscopic surgery is straight sticks, where uh, the robotic surgery, the benefit of the robot is it has a wrist so that the instruments are more refined and you can have superpowers when you do laparoscopic surgery. Wow, that's that's amazing. But <clears throat> one of the main reasons uh, we're associated was through the Head Injury, like I said, association. And you're doing some amazing stuff at Joe Namath Neurological Research Center. Maybe you start off with a brief explanation where the connection between Joe and the research center came from. Sure. Uh, well, um, initially, I was um, I, I was approached uh, by one of the um, uh, doctors at the hospital, and he said, uh, do you think... Um, oxygen, hyperbaric oxygen could help people with traumatic brain injury. And, um, you know, I've never mentioned it to anybody, but it's something that I really um, have a great depth of knowledge about because it's something I've looked at for years. And I, you know, I said, of course, and he goes, well, I have a friend, but I can't tell you who my friend is. And um, it ended up turning out to be Joe Namath. And he had other friends within the NFL that had head injuries that were getting treated out in California and different places at these off-label centers. So basically what it does is it uses oxygen as a drug to treat brain injury. Because um, whether you realize it or not, um, every cell in your body needs oxygen to survive. And a lot of times when you get a brain injury, you have different cells that surround the brain injury that aren't functioning because they can't get enough oxygen because of maybe the swelling or the scarring. By increasing the amount of oxygen going through your system, you can get to those cells that weren't working before and and maybe turn them back on. So that's one thing that it does. And then the other thing that the hyperbaric oxygen does is it turns on the switch that turns your bone marrow on to start making more stem cells. And as you see more and more out there with this regenerational medicine where people are getting injected with stem cells into their joints and all, it kind of uh, gives it a jump start to increase the number of stem cells that go to areas that are damaged. And naturally, if you have a brain injury, it will go to the brain and hopefully give you some type of improvement. So, you know, taking a look at that and also the idea that a hyperbaric oxygen in other parts of the world has been a standard of care for head injuries. And one of the best examples is it's used by the Israeli Defense Force for um, their head injuries. So there's a lot of kind of um, evidence out there that it might be something that's helpful. So uh, we started this trial and we've had some encouraging results with the trial. A, a, a treatment in a hyperbaric chamber, is it five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes? Because I know I have a former teammate, Bill Romanowski, that back in the day, and we're talking, you know, 90s or so, early 2000s, was using a hyperbaric chamber at home to help him with his healing and recovery. And that was the first time I really heard about it. And the, the fact that he said he slept in it, to me, seemed like, how the heck do you do that? Well, you know, the thing with it uh, that makes this, like, so interesting is nobody knows. There's, like, no answer. It's, like, uh, an area that's completely open. 
um, there's not enough research out out there with it because oxygen is not a billion dollar drug. It's cheap. It's like six dollars a treatment. So there's really no true answers. There's never been any really large controlled type studies. And uh, the other thing with the oxygen is it's not consistent. So in other words, there's some people that will respond and it'll be like a miracle for them and other people where they won't have any effect. And and these are things that we don't really understand yet. But I know um, Michael Jackson used to sleep in a chamber and um, some people think uh, a little is good and more is better. But what we do is we're using some basic protocols uh, where uh, the treatments are 60 minutes. And we're using um, things that, uh, you know, basically we're trying to keep things more mainstream. So we're using um, nuclear studies to assess the brain, you know, before and after. Is that, That's uh, got to be a very important part is getting that, getting that baseline so you know what it does, right? Um, exactly. But the thing is, um, the problem with it is uh, that... Um, most of the other trials out there are use just cognitive assessments. We're, we're using both because it's expensive, you know, and uh, so, you know, fortunately we've had some uh, good funding and we've been able to, uh, you know, do it with uh, these nuclear studies. And then also we have a, a neuroradiologist who's been able to, uh, you know, interpret them for us. And I think it's kind of, it gives, um, more uh, valid results, I think, than uh, some of the other trials uh, that have been in the past, because everything gets questioned. There's a lot of politics in medicine and in treatment. Well, I've I've heard of a lot of that, trust me, with uh, all the stuff going on with CTE and traumatic brain injuries and, you know, between Department of Defense and private groups. And, you know, there, there would seem to be a need for a common pooling point for uh for all this research absolutely and, and the interesting thing about it is i mean this is in uh a uh treatment that's recognized by the department of defense even though they're starting to look at more studies they did a uh, big study in the air force and they used hyperbaric oxygen to treat traumatic brain injury and they used a control group and the control group uh they used uh compressed air And they said, well, both groups got better, so obviously it doesn't work. It's just a sham. But what they didn't understand was if you put somebody in a hyperbaric chamber and you put compressed air, your uh, oxygenation still increases by 50% in your brain, so you still get a good benefit. And then the other thing uh, that I always think that's really interesting, and I know a lot of people probably in your audience are pretty young, and you're probably uh, too young to remember the Beatles, (laughs) <laughs> uh, when they had their best album of all time, Abbey Road in 69. Right. So in 69, Commander Hart, he was at the Naval Hospital in Long Beach, California. He was the uh, first person uh, to treat a naval officer. Uh, the naval officer was like 40 years old. He had a, a large stroke. He was paralyzed on half his body. And a stroke in a lot of ways is, is exactly a traumatic brain injury as well. And uh, after a bunch of treatments with hyperbaric oxygen, uh, the uh, commander was able to use that side of his body. It came back. The paralysis went away, and he ended up going back to, uh, you know, full duty. 
So that was like the first reported case. And then from there, uh, Dr. Neubauer and a lot of these other doctors started um, taking their lead from that, and they started seeing you know good results. But again, it's only in certain types of patients will respond, so it's not like everybody and everything. Well, I know Joe Namath has to be a, a, a huge proponent and voice for this, only from the standpoint of I remember seeing him at practice during training camp when he was with NBC. And you looked over and you went, man, that's Joe Namath? You're moving real slow. And everything. that's even back then. We're talking late 80s. Um, and I'd seen him in the offseason before, but now seeing him now between the commercials and then more recently, there's been a – pretty sharp difference for him. He's really a a big proponent, isn't he? Well, he's a great spokesperson for this because people take notice when uh, somebody like Joe Namath, who's a bigger-than-life figure, gets up there and um, speaks for this and, and, you know, says, look, this is is what I went through. This is what happened to me. And um, I think people just seeing him on TV and seeing him today, I think there's a huge difference. He's, you know, he, he thinks that uh, this is something that's definitely worthwhile. And he's basically out there, you know, telling people. And, and you're doing this study down in Jupiter. Is this something you you can apply for? Well, we're, it's on our website at Jupiter Medical Center. Right now, uh, we're, we're on hold. We're reassessing our data and redoing a reevaluation. But once uh, the study's open again, they just have to – you can just Google Joe Namath Neurologic Center or Jupiter Medical Center, and you'll find the links to apply online for the trial. We've had people from all over the uh, country – Apply, and we've been treating people from uh, different places in the country. In fact, we've had letters from all over the world, uh, you know, trying to get into our trial. Well, I, I want to really thank you for joining me today. This is fascinating. I could do this for <laughs> for hours. I know you don't have the time, uh, but I really appreciate you taking uh, taking the time to do this, and I'd, I'd love to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Randy. It's a privilege talking to you and your audience. I thank you, sir. It. Appreciate it. All right, you take care. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed that. I I find these subjects completely fascinating besides the robotic surgery, but also the hyperbaric chambers and the use of oxygen. And again, thank you so much to Dr. Barry Miskin for coming in and uh, talking about that and sharing it with you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter. Like I said, randycross.com. And if you have comments or suggestions, it's producer at randycross.com. Thanks for watching. See you next week.